the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bug Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Get it on my leader right at the end of the game. The Bug Podcast. Hello! the buff podcast my name's mark isles and the chief football writer of the bolton news if this show were a pizza it would be cheese and headlines and on the buff this week posh bosh peterborough are put to the sword carty party wanderers new goal scorer put under the microscope debt gone and then he comes back again and could we be getting the Reebok Stadium Mark II? All that coming up. But first, let's talk about premium subscription to the Bolton News for just £2 for two months. You can't say fairer than that. For that, it gets your exclusive features, you get your match verdicts, you get your press conference audio, your interviews, your ad-free website, your readers' offers, and most importantly, you'll be helping to keep this very podcast going keeping it free by funding local journalism. Go to theboltonews.co.uk backslash subscribe and find out what all the fuss is about. So now time to introduce my co-host and the inventor of Parking Eye, Mr. Henry Hewitt. Henry, how are you doing? Well, that's a bad start, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm very good. I've not been caught out by that yet, so uh, all good. Oh God, uh, yes. Before the emails start, I will be asking about uh, Parking Eye and uh, the various fans. There's been quite a few miffed fans uh, who've been in touch with me over the last couple of days. So yes, those those questions will be asked. But anyway, let's start on a higher note than that. Uh, unbeaten September, and, and Tranmere doesn't count, by the way. That's that's finished two all as far as I'm concerned then we just went home um yeah unbeaten September Peterborough at the weekend it's been it's been a, a decent month it has hasn't it and normally we'd, we'd not very good in September so no. um yeah all good and uh yeah, it was a shame that we couldn't beat Tramia but we didn't lose so uh, unbeaten it is yeah he, he, we got a point so i.e that is a draw as far as I'm concerned that uh, that counts as a draw I don't care whether Tramia got two uh absolutely perfect but uh, the Peterborough game Saturday, if we'll start with that one, it was a different type of Bolton Wanderers performance. You know, this podcast has been critical of them in the past. They can't play against certain types of teams. Now, I'm not saying Peterborough are a long ball team, far from it, in fact. Um, but they have got that kind of physical edge about them. And often, I think that has been Bolton's undoing, that they can't necessarily stay in games like that sometimes. They can get bullied out of games here is a different type of Bolton Wanderers. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would actually. I was I was a bit disappointed with Peter because as we said on the podcast last week, I we were expecting a very entertaining, uh, mm. free-flowing game. And I mean, all the respect to, to us, the, the fact that they've changed the way they played. I mean, I know Grant McCann didn't... Uh, he said that that wasn't the case. Uh, but I mean... You know, I was sat behind the the goal in the north stand, and it's certainly they were very physical, put it mm. that way. And mm. uh, and you're right. I think uh, normally we don't deal well with it, but you know the lads are getting stuck in, and uh, and I think it's after last year. I don't know whether there was a bit of a rude awakening with uh, with how we some of the teams played and how we how we played against them. So they clearly worked at it, and uh, and yeah, I think um, we. Even though we were the ones, who, in my opinion, who were trying to play the free-flowing football, I thought we played our normal game. 
we won ugly, which is something, as you said, we haven't done really for a long time. So it was very good to see. That battle between Johnson Clark Harris and Ricardo Santos, I, I, I could remember when Sky used to just put their camera on one player for the entire game. It was yeah. it was a pretty dodgy decision, really. It was an awful. I can't imagine anybody in their right mind, unless it was Zinedine Zidane, would want to watch one player for an entire game. However, uh, they used to they used to have a feature on the red button, but I I probably would have watched that battle for a while. It was it was very WWE. It was, wasn't it? Really physical. And I know the refs have been told to let a few things go this year, but it was like, it was as if the referee thought, listen, you two do whatever you want. <laughs> we'll play football around you. I'll deal um, tappy 10, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was. It was a real battle. And, uh, you know, obviously, it's, you know, with us winning the game 1-0, you could say that Santos won it. But, uh, yeah, it was a, a good battle and... Um, uh, and it was yeah, it was just it was funny to watch because they, they spent more time grappling with each other. I'm sure Santos Santos probably touched Clark Harris and grappled with him more than he he'd done his his misses that <laughs> that, that weekend. So uh, uh, you know, listen, what what Ricardo Santos gets up to in the safety of his own bedroom is entirely up to him. That's it's entirely up to him. Um, let's let's move swiftly on. George Thomason. Let's talk George Thomason. Um, I mean, I, I can't remember a young man uh, kind of evolving in such a fast way. Charlton, he comes in against Charlton um, for a league game. This is because he played in the in the uh, Papa John's Trophy, and, and and Papa John's was like, yeah, okay, well, Thomason's had a game. He needed some game time. That's fantastic. He played really well, but. He, when he came in against Charlton, I think a lot of us turned around and was like, oh my word, that's a that's quite a bold move uh, to, to stick him in. You could kind of understand it. He's a more of a deep-lying player, as, as MJ Williams is. But since then, that game, then MK Dons, then Peterborough, he, he genuinely is, as, as Ian Everett says, he's almost undroppable. He is, yeah. And I, it, only, it was actually Tuesday that made me realise just how good he's been because mm. you look at the players that came in, you think Aaron Morley was our best player for the first few games and now he can't get back in the team. It's mm. like, uh, it's it's yeah, credit to Thomason. And I thought even on uh, Saturday, in a, as we said, a physical game, he's he's getting the ball and he's, he's looking to... It's as if he's... Sometimes in this league, you know that players actually don't want the ball. They're looking to get rid of it as quickly as they can. And I think uh, MJ, people think that of MJ, even though it's MJ's game is to pass a move. Mm. Um, whereas Thomason, every time he gets the ball, he looks up, he wants to make the best pass. And he's actually, to his credit, because sometimes when people do that, or players do that, um, they'll lose the ball or they'll, they will they have just a second too much longer than what they need. He actually never loses the ball. He's, mm. His passing stats must be great. He never loses the ball. He actually wins fouls a lot. He's yeah, he's he's turning out to be a a, a real top player who who yeah, like um, you know, like I said, he's he's undroppable at the moment. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was watching. A video this morning might be one of those TIFO ones on, on scanning before a pass and the top players look around sort of six to ten times before they receive every pass so they know exactly where everybody is. And I think Thomason, although he's got that kind of running gait where he's, he's looking down the floor, I think he does have a shifty around. I think he does always seem to get himself into a little bit of space. He's always moving. 
Um, I do like him. I, I, I really genuinely do like him. I think technically he's come on leaps and bounds and uh, it'd be really exciting to see, see how far he's, he's got to go. And one guy who's... Oh, I wouldn't say he's gone in the opposite direction because that's really unfair. Last season, player of the year, Dapoafalayan, top goal scorer, Dapoafalayan. We were going to have a summer of, you know, Dapo is the main man. He's, you know, these Rangers are watching him and all that kind of stuff. And yet we're sitting here now, nine games into the season. Dapoafalayan's on the bench and having to get a, a couple of minutes here, a couple of minutes there. Did he deserve a bit of luck? He got the goal against Peterborough, massive deflection, of course, but he's. Yeah, he's got quite a lot of stick, to be fair, recently. He has, and I think his his passing's been quite poor. There's been a few times where he's he's given the ball away, and he did deserve the look on uh, Saturday. And, and like any Bolton fan, we're all desperate for him to do well, but um, it's just not quite happening. Then he starts on uh, Tuesday, plays the full game, and mm. he, again, it, he had a shot, you know, in the first half, but it's... Yeah, it's uh, it's just not quite clicking for him, and you can tell. You can tell he's just a bit frustrated at the moment. So I don't know what the answer is. You know, we suggested recently that maybe he needs a run of games just to get his form back. Mm. But in this this Bolton Wanderers twenty two twenty three, you, unless you're really playing well like Thomas, and you're not going to get the chance to have a few games in a row. You've got to you've got to learn to be able to play. For an hour or 30 minutes each game and make an impact straight away yeah I think you've almost got to find your, your form on the training pitch haven't you and, and, and mm. sort of take that into a game but I mean October's coming up and I think there was eight games in October so there will be a lot it's Saturday Tuesday for an entire month there will be a lot of uh of, of opportunities for people like Dapo and uh, Aaron Morley and, and the like. So I think everybody's everybody's going to get that chance. Um, but on Tuesday night, it was one of those opportunities where a, a very different team, Everett makes 10 changes to Tram, uh, Tranmere in the Pizza Trophy. Um, and first half, we were just talking off air there, I don't think I've seen a Bolton team play that badly. It was so, so disappointing. It was, and I, I felt that at half time. And uh, you know, I said last week that I actually think we should go all out in the Pizza Trophy because I want a trip to Wembley. I want to win something, and you know, and and even the team, even though he made ten changes, you looked at that team and thought, oh, this should be no problem against Tranmere because mm. we've got we have got two, yeah, two very good teams. Um, and yeah, that first half was, I, I, you know, I know Dixon got a bit of stick online, and yeah, you could argue that the first goal he maybe should have been positioned a bit better, but. I feel I don't think anyone in the team did well. I thought the, the passing, the crossing was poor, uh, the lack of movement. Um, you know, it, it, Josh Sheehan's uh, free kick went in uh, in the in the first half, and maybe it's a different game. But I didn't think any of them really covered themselves in glory. Um, maybe Josh Sheehan, you can give him the benefit of a doubt because it's the second game back but well, the rest were yeah very disappointing it was very slow I, I agree with you Sheen because when Sheen got the ball I think he, he turned around and, and tried to make things happen tried to play forward but I think the pace of the game just wasn't there at all um, Dixon I'm glad you mentioned Dixon actually because I, I think he I don't think his, his position was particularly good I'm, I'm not a goalkeeper but it felt like he was a couple of steps he was anticipating a pass to the right-hand side and maybe the, the shot caught him by surprise a little bit and he, it looked like he was scampering a bit to try and cover his left-hand post. Didn't get there and it ended up in the bottom corner. But the defending leading up to that, there wasn't a tackle on 
a Tranmere player for two or three passes. So everybody else is as culpable in that goal as Dixon for me. The the mm. fact that there was no closing down, he had space to shoot. And then, of course, on top of that, the rest of the game where Dixon's barely got a thing to do. Um, I mean, they had shots and goal, but he didn't have any saves to make, in fairness. Uh, then, you know, everybody else deserves equal sort of um, criticism, if you know what I mean. Because Tranmere, Tr- even in the second half... And Bolton were playing better or to a better tempo at that stage. Tramir still had good chances. They could have had four or five goals. And whilst you can pick out little little nuggets of, of positivity uh, because it was a, a changed squad and maybe make those exceptions, I think you've got to say if, if you were asking players to come in and grasp an opportunity, they barely brushed it with a, a fingertip. It was, it was, it was very poor. Yeah, but I mean, my theory is uh, that there was one man who played, uh, who was the, the played uh, against Peter as well. It was George Johnston. Mm. Now he was captain, and whenever you watch the be the sort of inside match day kind of um, videos that they do, George Johnston always comes out of the tunnel last. <laughs> so he's clearly a superstitious thing. And then for that second goal, he was in the defence that you could argue with. Well, you don't have to argue; it's poor marking. Uh, so I think it was, uh, yeah, George Johnson just wasn't, wasn't, he wasn't happy, he wasn't free because he wasn't, he didn't come out the tunnel last. That could well be it. Maybe that's um, a line of duty to uh, to look into for for later on. There was a couple of headlines. Obviously, uh, first of all, Lloyd Isgrove came back. That's that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, I, I thought uh, Isgrove. He, he could tell with maybe some of the one or two of the crosses. He was a bit. Um, undercooked which is natural he's not played in so long but there was a moment in the second half where he tracked back mm. uh you know sprinted back got in front of their def- their striker did a, a little turn and got away from him and then started to play again and I thought that's the Grove that we know and uh, I was really happy to see that because it was uh, it was really good play yeah Owen Beck made his debut. He's been on loan from Liverpool for a, a few weeks now, but he's been getting up to speed. Now, uh, I, I think he, he showed some decent touches. I think he showed a willingness to attack in the first half, but really didn't get a great deal of uh, great deal of support, I don't think. What did you make of him? Um, yeah, I, I don't think he was he was that good. I, and I don't want to compare him to Conor Bradley, of course. They did different players, but... I just felt that uh, one or two of his crosses were... I mean, he got to the byline at once and he just needed to lay it off to Bud Barton and he kicked it out for a throw-in. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't want to judge him off one game, but there was a few little bits where either it was maybe nerves or it was just mm. a bit over-excitement or whatever. He's, uh, but I'm sure we'll see, we'll see better of him. I'll definitely give you the over-excitement. Talking about excitement, though, the... The real winner on the night, he only played four actual minutes, uh, was Connor Carty. Uh, one of the Connors, uh, ex-Wolves, young uh, Irish striker and a finish to be very proud of. That was a fantastic effort. It was. Hopefully he can keep up that record of scoring a goal every four minutes because we'll win every game at <laughs> yeah, exactly. 14-0. Um, but, uh, yeah, great finish and... Um, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people are kind of saying, "Oh, he needs to be involved in the first team now." And I, I don't. No, I think it's he'll, he can play against Leeds under twenty ones, but um, yeah, considering the amount of strikers we've got, I don't think. I think we're going to have to wait to see him 
you know, troubling the the first team. But um, mm. yeah, it was a good, a really good finish. And you know, maybe he's we we always talk every year about players that are in that sort of B team. Can they they go out and and get a loan somewhere and and build on that? And you'd think, well, he's he scored against the League Two team, so maybe for later in the season or next season, that's something that they can look at is getting him in League Two and seeing how he can do. Yeah, I think we should put a pin in all this. I mean, how many times have we done it with a striker that's scored from reserve level and suddenly needs to be tested at first team level? I think you've got to give them time and space to be able to evolve. And, and like you say, probably a loan would be um, the next move if he if he's scoring goals regularly for the B team. We're only a couple of months into the season, of course. So I think you've got to give him room to breathe. I like what I look uh, see of him. I spoke to Ian Everett at length about him uh, on Tuesday night. And, and Ian Everett said, finishing-wise, he's he's got something really good. You know, he, he actually said, he said, I'm not comparing to Robbie Fowler, but he says, in the same way that Robbie Fowler used to take shots on early, <laughs> that's what we're seeing from him, that he takes shots on early. He's, he's you know, He knows exactly where the posts are. And it's an innate sense. And, you know, people like Adam LaFondra, uh, if you watch the way he took goals, he did exactly the same sort of thing. Really good finishers. Um, so hopefully his all-round game comes on the same way. And he's had a good grounding at uh, Wolves, so he, he knows he knows what he's doing. And speaking to him on Tuesday night, very pleasant young man, very humble. His, his family were there, so he was absolutely uh, well happy to have scored in front of them. He hadn't scored, he hadn't played in front of them for for a while. So um, yeah, really really pleased for him. But let's uh, let's. Let's keep a nice air of sensibility. No, no, uh, <laughs> no, getting ahead of ourselves on on Connor Carty. Um, mm. Last one, talking about um, uh, getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, Saturday after the Peterborough game, we spoke to Ian Ever about injuries and what might affect the Tuesday game against uh, Tranmere, and he says, "Oh, Declan John's got a hamstring injury." So. We reported said injury and that it would, it, we, he didn't know at that stage. He said he didn't know how long he was going to be out for, in fairness to him. But it turns out he was only out for three days. And Declan John appeared as a right wing back at Tranmere. Um, I got a load of stick for it online for some reason, not sure why. But um, it, was, uh, it was weird seeing him as a right wing back anyway. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, unfortunately for the way we played, it's, it's probably not done him any good for, nope. for continuing in that position, but I'm sure he would argue he'd rather be on the, the left anyway. But, he, was, um, he was better when he went over there, in fairness, I think. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he, he's good. Again, Declan John's another one where he can sometimes get a bit of stick. I think he's a good player, especially for League One level. Um, but, uh, and he's, he's at the moment, he's... Um, you know, he's yeah, he's he's good to have him back because you you don't want injuries, do you? Whoever it is, no, you need the, you need that cover on the left hand side, right? So now it is time to review the um, the big words on top of the little words in the newspaper. Um, I've completely blanked, Henry. Help me. What what are they called again? Headlines. Headlines. That's it. Says the I tell you what, I don't know why I don't get more acting work. That was that was a, a that was a fine piece of ad lib, right, Henry? It was. Hey, let's have some let's have some headlines. Uh, right, it was um, the main 
interesting story, and this is actually, as we're recording this on Thursday, this is, a lot of people are getting potentially excited about this. So Bolton mm-hmm. have announced that they're going to a, uh, a national company, is it, to try and get a, uh, a stadium sponsor for next year. People have seen that Reebok are now suddenly back in football and sponsoring kit sponsor for Panama, I think. <laughs> that's where, that's putting, where you'd start, isn't it? Let's face it. It is. So people are getting putting two and two together and thinking we could have the dream, we could have the Reebok back. Uh, yeah, yeah, putting DOS and DOS together and <laughs> making Cinco. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a global company that uh, they, they've used. Um, sporting something. Some, sporting something group. Um, I can't remember what they're called now. Uh, but anyway, anyway, I might edit that in later on. I might not. I might just just uh, just carry on regardless. But anyway, the uh, the global company they're using um, have got uh, their fingers in many pies. Um, I think a few fans have looked at the website and looked at some of the companies that they have been involved in, including betting firms and including um, some firms that we we would rather probably not be involved in, to be honest. Um, and I do wonder what Bolton's philosophy is on that one, because it's certainly a question I'm going to be asking of, of Neil Hart and co that, you know, obviously they have a stance on betting in the stadium. They have a, st- they have a stance on, on uh, sort of ethical uh, reasoning across the board as a business. So I think there are probably certain types of business they wouldn't want to be involved in, but um, one business we'd love to see back would be Reebok I mean people still call it the Reebok Stadium now some was it seven or eight years since it since they finished it might be a bit longer in fact when it, it be, might be when it became the uh, macro so just yeah, after was it, was it just after the Premier League yeah we were definitely the Reebok when we dropped out of the Premier League so we might have had a, another season of it so it might be yeah. nine maybe ten yeah. so I mean people are still calling it I mean they've, they've still not updated the signs from it being the Macron so it it really it's it's a very difficult one sponsorship and it's not a, a, an aspect of modern football that I particularly like but it was christened the Reebok Stadium and a lot of people are never going to call it anything different um, which is free advertising for Reebok in a sense they owe Bolton, seven, eight, nine years of free advertising. So I say, Reebok, come back in, do it for free for two or three years, and then you know we'll we'll see how it goes because you have had all that free advertising. Um, but it's a big decision. It's a massive decision, and and taking all the joking aside from it, it's a it's a very lucrative decision. It's something they've got to get right. Now I spoke when when we did the story originally back in May, um, and I spoke to Neil Hart about it, and, and he said. You know, the process is on uh, is already ongoing. Um, he said we've we've have decided that the deal with the, the University of Bolton is going to finish. We've we've loved working with them. We will continue to work with them. Um, but the uh, the deal's ongoing. We're already we're already talking about what the deal's going to be, how much it's going to be worth. I assume that was with this uh, this company that's going to now go and talk to the to the bigger um, people on their behalf or the bigger companies on their behalf. Um, it, it may well be. That there was some discussions with a particular company at that stage. That would be interesting to find out. I, I, it's certainly a question I'll ask. Um, whether or not they've already considered certain companies would be interesting to know. But that's all. That's all for. Uh, that's all for an interview coming soon. I'm sure. Um, right now, it's it's all about getting the right feel and something that that could potentially be longer term for Bolton because everything. I think since Reebok has felt like, well, yeah, this is going to be, why bother changing the signs? Why bother painting them brown and then and penciling over the top? Because you're going to have something else in a couple of years. Yeah, I would like it to be a, a, a longer term deal, no matter who it's with. I mean, well, I say that if it's a, a 
sponsor that doesn't sound right, then you you don't want to be stuck with them. But um, but no, I think uh, yeah, you I, I, the thing for me with the uni ball um, is I don't know you you you've always felt that it's going to change at some point. Yeah, you know it was the last sort of last bit of uh, of that era with with a. Uh, you know the old owner, um, and you always felt that if we're going to progress, and we are progressing, and we can get bigger sponsors now, um, you know that I know. He, I don't know whether it still applies, but I know he said uh, in that interview with you that ideally it would be a shirt and a stadium mm-hmm. sponsor. Mm-hmm. So that would be something that would be interesting, and you'd like to think that that could uh, that could get some of the bigger names. Um, interested because I think it is you know the club is in League One but we are growing I think everyone can see that but um, you know it's not just a, a football stadium with the you know it's it's a, also a rugby well, it's going to be the Rugby World Cup it also sure. hosts darts and snooker and you know it can, I, I'm sure it Concerts can be very lucrative such, yeah, yeah yeah it can be very lucrative if your name is associated with it so hopefully we can get a, a big name a, a good sponsor. Um, and one that, that I'm sure it will be ethically right, but I'm sure uh, that because that's the way the club wants to go, and I'm sure it will be. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And 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 it is a very very big decision, and I can't see them for the life of me going down the 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 route of a, a you know a quick quid stadium that we nearly had, or whether it was. It, Oh, I was quick quid on the, on the shirt sponsors, wasn't it? But uh, or, or I mean, we'd come to Ch- Cheltenham in a couple of weeks, and good grief, the number of different stupid names that place has had. Uh, Johnny Rocks, World of Smiles Stadium, also, and some, I think it's something to do with Suzuki's or I don't know something like that. Now it's 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 daft, and and I understand that you know smaller clubs may have to do those deals just to get you know twelve month, twenty four month deals over the line and keep the keep the tills rolling that's the way it works but i think bolton are in a stage now and they're in a moving in a direction now where they can like you say attract bigger companies because they are offering a lot more they're using the stadium a lot more and it's not just about whether or not you're in league one or the championship or whether you're on quest on a saturday night or whatever it might be um there's a lot more going on now and i think i think as a as a business it is looking uh like a a bigger entity so yeah looking forward to speaking to bolton about that one and seeing how which direction they go let's have another headline uh yeah well the international week is here that means bolton have a weekend off uh because we've actually got international players now which is uh it's great to great to hear yeah, um, yeah. so uh, so right for the for everyone who's uh, who slept since we got told about it a few weeks ago, who's who shall we be looking out for this weekend? Who shall we support? <laughs> Great, I haven't made a list of this, but anyway, uh, Dion Charles <laughs> and Connor Bradley are in action for Northern Ireland against Kosovo and then Greece. Uh, Amadou Bakayoko is away with Sierra Leone, playing against South Africa and DR Congo, I think. Um, we have got not. Yon Daddy Bonvarsen, he is not in the Iceland squad. Uh, we have Owen Beck, who is away with uh, Wales under-21s. With um, They're playing against Austria next week, next Tuesday. James Trafford is playing for England under-21s. They've got games uh, mirroring the, the senior team against um, Italy and Germany. Have I missed anybody? Uh, I don't think so. 
I don't think I've missed anybody. But mm. there are several players. I mean, going from a team that had very few players, we were talking about Brandon Comley maybe going away and playing for, was it Montserrat or something like that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that was the, the last international story I did at one stage uh, before... Uh, the recent crop. Um, it's great, but I suppose there is a downside to it, isn't there? I suppose that Ian Everett is sat there watching, uh, you know, Sky Sports 9 or what, whatever team, whatever uh, channel broadcast the Northern Ireland uh, games, um, or whether or not he's, he's sat there on YouTube with the rest of us supporting Sierra Leone. Um, sat there just thinking, oh, just don't bring him on. Just leave him on the bench. Don't, just don't even bother. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think... Uh... Me, I, I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because you obviously want to support the players, but I mean, for me, it's Trafford. I think if you just oh, keep Trafford wrapped up in cotton wool, and we're all happy. But um, uh, yeah, no, it's good to see. It's good to see the the uh, players. Uh, and it, you know, it's as nice as it is that Trafford and Beck are there. But it's nice to see players that are actually ours. You know, who are uh, um, like Charles and Bakayoko playing. In, uh, in internationals and hopefully there's rumours that Charles might be starting as well so hopefully he can get a goal and uh, and get his confidence um, up a bit ready for when we play Lincoln Yeah, absolutely uh, uh, Thanks very much to my friends over in Northern Ireland they've supplied us with uh, quite a bit of uh, Dion Charles stuff uh, this morning um, he's been speaking yeah, Connor Bradley and uh, Dion Charles both, both put up for the press at Northern Ireland fantastic Loads of Bolton stuff for me. Um, I do want to just make a, a call. If, if Lee Carsley is listening to this before he makes his decision in goal um, against mm. Italy and Germany for that matter, um, A, James Trafford has been pretty dodgy this season. I, I wouldn't trust him possibly. Uh, I think Josh yeah. Griffith, who's uh, who's been on loan at Portsmouth, he's, he's a really good young keeper. I think he deserves a chance. And uh, Joseph Bursic as well, who's uh, been at Stoke. Really good keeper. I, I'd go with those two. That's just, just my two pennies worth. Traff doesn't need to play. Traff doesn't need to no, play. No, I mean, Trafford was that poor against Peter. He didn't even make a save. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I mean, we don't even trust him to make a save. That's that's how, how poorly he's played. In the last two games, we've not trusted him to defend a shot on goal. That's how, that's how little we trust him. Um, so don't bother. I just I just leave him on the bus. Just leave him on the bus. Um, put a PlayStation in his hand. He'll be fine. He'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, so uh, Connor Bradley, um, you said there has been talking yeah. about Bolton, uh, and he's been he's singing our praises, I believe. He has. Yeah, he did a great um, interview with the Irish press, and um, it was it was really refreshing to see how much he bought into it because I, I got to listen uh, to. to you know the, the the lads talking, and obviously they're talking about his role in the Irish side. But actually, they were really interested to know how he'd um, reacted. Obviously, they'd seen quite a bit of him beforehand, whereas we really hadn't before the start of this season. They'd seen him coming through Liverpool and obviously catching the headlines in Ireland. And uh, you know, this is uh, you know a bright young thing of Irish football, um, and also coming into the the international team as well before he'd even really played a first team game. Um, so they will probably be able to be better judges of how he has progressed as a player whilst he's been at Bolton. And he, they were talking about, you know, the physicalities of the League One and, 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 you know, going out, striking out alone and all that kind of stuff. And he always brought it back to Bolton and just how much he was enjoying it. And it was just really refreshing to hear him talk the place up, which is obviously a good thing. He's got Dion Charles in the same squad. 
Dion did exactly the same when he when he spoke to the press as well, and he was also talking Connor Bradley up and uh, you know saying he was winding him up about the the mischance against Peterborough and all that kind of stuff. So it's it is obviously a nice camaraderie there, and it's uh, Owen Toll as well is knocking on the door. As I've spoken to a couple of journalists in the last uh, a couple of days about how he has played and how he can progress and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and he's certainly on the radar now with Northern Ireland and uh, now that he's playing over here. So uh, it's a nice little niche market for, for Bolton to look into, I think. Yeah. And it gives us all a, a different team to support as well. It certainly does. It certainly does. I quite like the shirt as well. So you never know. You never know. Have yeah. we got another headline? Uh, yeah, we've got um, an old favorite of ours on the buff. Um, a man we used to talk about in, you know, quite a lot back in the day I say the day being League 2 uh, Nathan Delfonso is back in League 1 um, somebody pointed out saying just in time for our annual meltdown at Accrington which made me chuckle <laughs> uh, so uh, whether he'll be match fit I, I know I noticed somebody had, had uh, walked past the training ground and taken a video uh, of um, of Nathan Delfonso kind of training on his own and he, he uh, he had a shot that went wide. There were no goalie in the goal, but he went wide. Um, so uh, it's all lining up for him to get his first goal against Bolton. But I, all jokes aside, it is Delfonso's got enough for me for for a bottom half League One sort of League Two club. I think he's he he can still yeah he can still do a job. Yeah, I, um, yeah. Do you know what? I'm, I'm a little surprised. I've got to be honest with you. I'm a little surprised he's he's gotten at League One level because he hasn't done a lot at this level. But hey, look, he's uh, he's got experience. Um, I think when he's confident, he's a he's a very decent striker, and I think he had little pockets there as a Bolton player. Um, but I think he does suffer when things are, are going against him, and, and obviously they did at, at stages. Start of last season, missing that penalty against Wigan was a, was a real big turning point for him because he had such a good pre-season. Um, look, football's full of these little what-if moments and little sliding doors moments, and I think that you know with the right circumstances, he gets an early goal against Dacrington. Yeah, no, no worries. He's a really good lad. I wish him nothing but you know, success uh, and what I think he's his 11th club. So it's not as if it's um, a new thing, walking into a, a new environment or anything for him. He's played at every single level, you know, he, he'll be all right. Like I say, I just, I do hope it isn't in time for the, the meltdown because uh, having just talked at the top of the program, we talked Bolton up about, you know, playing against the physical sides. Accrington at Accrington in, on, in December, I think it is as well. Um, it might be November, but anyway, either way, don't need it. Just don't need. I just don't need to be writing that match report again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, that, that seems so long ago now. Last year when uh, we'd we'd lost and a few of the fans were unhappy with the team and yeah, it was. Uh, we have moved on since then. We we are we are due a win, um, you know, at, uh, at at Accrington. So hopefully it can be this year mm-hmm. with a bit of luck. Any more headlines? Yeah, just one more. Some rearranged matches. Um, of course, the Cheltenham game that was postponed last week, that's been rearranged for the 4th of October. And Bristol Rovers has been brought forward in case it clashes with England. Um, the the Cheltenham one being a Tuesday night, I've got to say, I have a ticket for, for that game. And now, um, I, the club I've said you can get a refund. I am thinking about it because I'm like, oh, <laughs> Cheltenham, Cheltenham on a... And it, 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 I was going to ask you, actually, because you're... You know, you know that area quite well, and the the Saturday after that, we're playing Forest Green. Will you be 
sticking down or are you going to have to make two trips? Depends whether Ian Everett fancies doing a Zoom press conference. But yeah, I quite fancy the idea of staying down in God's country and, uh, you know, spending a bit of time doing, having a bit of a walk and such like, drinking some cider as you do down there. It's the only other thing to do. Fishing, <laughs> maybe. But um, yeah, it's, it's annoying, really. I, I didn't think they'd reschedule it quite as quickly as they'd have, they have. Uh, it's quite no. a quite tight turnaround. I assume that means that the Portsmouth game will, will end up being in November at some stage. But whether or not you can juggle them around World Cup stuff, I don't know. Um, I, 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 it was a surprise to me that they pulled it back to, to Friday, maybe, looking at it. Um, I think England, if they win, somebody mentioned that they play on the Sunday. So I think they're covering all bases, potentially, as if England were to go through as a, a runner-up, that it might well be the Saturday that they play on. So I don't yeah. know. Um, that's assuming um, they qualify at all. I've got a funny feeling. I keep on having a dream that England uh, get knocked out in the group stages. So there we go. Yeah, well, we've had a couple of really good tournaments, haven't we? So I don't mean to be, uh, you know, to be down in the dumps but I do Bolt, uh, sorry Bolton England are due a nightmare tournament um, so and uh, well, that home kit I'm not impressed with that so maybe maybe it's a good thing we don't win it you don't want to you want to win it in a they'd have to wear the wear their away kit which is top they'd have to wear that uh, in the final if we got there yeah I'm not one for kits as you know Henry but uh, I was in JD the other day with my son looking at that monstrosity and it is shocking there's nowhere on earth I would buy that for my kid right let's move on let's have a bit of post is that Philip Marish? The Phil Marais postbag is open um, and I would like to start with an apology because Michael, James and Chris, not Michael James, <laughs> <laughs> not Michael James, Michael James hasn't been in touch, uh, Michael, comma, James and Chris have all been in touch pretty much saying the same thing. We made one glaring omission on our list last week about the best ever headers scored for Bolton Wanderers. All three of them listed goals by Nat Lofthouse. And said mm. he, uh, he didn't get mentioned. A couple of them also mentioned uh, Win Davis, who was known as Win the Leap, very big, uh, very uh, uh, prolific header of the ball as well. So Nat and Win, we apologise. Uh, of course they should have had a mention. Of course they should have. Done. I don't know whether or not the the famous goal against United counts as a header for for Nat, whether he, <laughs> he headed Gary Gregg over the line or what. But uh, yes, we should have had that one, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should. I mean, obviously both are before my time, but uh, I'm well aware, especially Nat Lofthouse. So yeah, we uh, it was a glaring omission. We were we were looking at, at actual uh, uh, goals that are in colour. Yes, uh, <laughs> and forgot about before before that. Yeah, I was. I, I must admit, I used YouTube as my main source, and then and then obviously Twitter. So you're probably appealing to a different demographic. But anyway, uh, right. I, this one, this one will appeal to any demographics. There's lots of them around, but uh, I think it could bring us some gold. It's an email from Darren, dear Mark and Henry. I've listened to the buff since the very very start, and I might have an idea for the show. I don't think you've ever asked fans for their unpopular opinions. Um, mm. Some of them give them anyway, but you know. Uh, some things in Bolton Wanderers folklore are just accepted as fact, even though they're untrue. For example, the team was always good under Bruce Rioch. Uh, Tony Phyllis-Kirk never missed a penalty. And Dean Holdsworth had the best interests of the club at heart when he bought it. And I'm just going to say that's Darren writing that, not me saying it, Dean. 
Um, so, uh, how about asking people for an opinion that doesn't fit with the norm? You might get a few emails that won't be broadcastable, or it might be a bit near to the knuckle for you guys, but I thought I'd suggest it. Um, and he also gives an example. So, uh, get your thinking cap on, Henry, whilst, whilst listening, you might be able to offer a, an unpopular opinion. Um, here's my hate is worth, he says, uh, JJ Akotcha was only good for about 12 months. I'll just Ooh. let you digest that one. He says, uh, JJ played for four seasons at Bolton, and I put it to you that he was only a genuine threat during one of them, uh, 2002-3, his first at the Reebok. After that, you'd read stories about him being wanted elsewhere, and he seemed to slow down. You saw the occasional bit of skill, Aston Villa free kick, for example, but he was nowhere near as influential on the pitch, especially when Big Sam made him the captain. He scored seven goals in his first 31 games for the club. That's one every four and a half games. But after that, he managed 11 in the next 110 games, which is one in 10. Uh, I loved JJ as a kid, but as I got slightly older, I appreciated the players around him like Campo, Davis, Nolan and Jaskalainen were much, much more important. Sorry if I've offended anyone, Darren. So, JJ Akocha was rubbish, uh, in a <laughs> nutshell. <laughs> yeah, um, that's an interesting point, because I, I, think, I think for that first season he was with us, it was only the second half of the season that he was at. He, I think he, he, he was rubbish for the adjust. first half, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and then, so I would, I would agree with, with that. I think his last season, um, I mainly think of JJ wearing the, the Bolton shirt, it was all white, um, mm. Whereas the he also played in the one where it had the sort of blue on the sleeve. I don't remember him as much with that shirt on, but um, yeah, it was. It's, it's a, you know, it's the stats back it up. You know, JJ burst on the scene really in that second half of that season and the season afterwards. Um, but you know, his stats back that up. I think for his last season, I think I think it was because because we'd got because he came. At, I think it was only Jark F really. And Campo and Campo had started quite slow for us. He then came. Whereas if he, uh, you know, after him, you then got, uh, you know, quite a lot of. We kind of became a team, mm. um, you know, of really good players. So I, I get his point with that one. But I, I would have to. I don't know. My love for JJ uh, is still there. So I'd have to disagree with him just purely on rose tinted specs. But I, I think he <laughs> uh, he definitely has a point. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I, I definitely, if you get your thinking caps on, folks, if you've got an unpopular opinion, we're happy to voice it for you. It doesn't. We don't have to agree with it. I, I actually said something, I wouldn't say similar, but I, I, I said about JJ not necessarily being in my top, I don't think he'd be in my top five Bolton players, if I'm honest. Um, and I got told I was very definitely wrong on Twitter. So far be it from me to venture that opinion again. Uh, but yes, I, I kind of agree with Darren. Um, I know where he's coming from for definite. Mm. Um, right? Do, do you have an do you have an unpopular opinion before we start, or are you going to mull on that one? I'll have to mull on it. I, it's interesting now he mentioned about the Bruce Riot thing because I I weren't a, you know I was in my, I think I was two three four years old. I think <laughs> I, he was he was uh, I was five when he left. But um, I always think that with Bruce Riot because there's so many people who talk about the brilliant days of Bruce Riach. And it's, to be honest, if we can maybe put a cut run together, it might be the similar of what people will talk about, about the Ian Everett days mm. in years to come, if we can get up to the Premier League. But, um, you know, I do think sometimes, I'm like, well, Bolton must have had a few crap games 
in that time. They must have had a few people who were saying Riot needs to go, or they must have had a few people who were who were not happy with. Uh, I, you know, in Bolton fans, I'm sure a few people went, "Yeah, it's great having these league, uh, sorry, cup runs, but we need to do it in the league. We're rubbish. We're finishing mid-table." So, uh, yeah, I'm sure there were a, a few really bad games under Bruce Riot that don't get talked about. Definitely, older fans tell me that before David Lee and John McGinley turned up, they were booing. Uh, Bruce Rioch at uh, Burnham Park. They had a, a pretty average start to the 92-93 season. And then the following season, when they went up into what is now the championship, there were a few uh, complaints about tactics and whether or not they, they kind of adapted. I think they mid-table at that time and there were, you know, a, a few disgruntled people then. But of course, you know, he finished it on a high. History treats everybody differently. I'll, I'll venture on a popular opinion. It's not a well-formed one because I've just thought about it. But I will give you this. I will venture you this. Bolton Wanderers don't sack Gary Megson. They would have stayed in the Premier League longer. They would have played in front of lower crowds without doubt, but they would have stayed in the Premier League longer than they managed under Owen Coyle. There's my unpopular opinion. Well, that definitely is unpopular. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you've got to say you've got a point. I think um, you, know, I, you look under Owen Coyle and for 18 months, or, well, yeah, 18 months, it was brilliant. Um, you know, the season after, because he, he came in at Christmas, didn't he? So, yeah. yeah. We had a uh, we stayed up, which was the you know, and we started playing some better stuff. I think that's when Jack Wilshire came in and uh, and Stuart Holden. The season after was brilliant until the Stoke game, and then um, and then yeah, it all fell apart after that. So yeah, you, you again, you have a point. I have a point, but I've also just disagreed myself there when you just mentioned Stu Holden because um, <laughs> you have Gary Megson, you have no Stu Holden, uh, you have no uh, Jack Wilshire, you have no. No FA Cup quarterfinal, chunky header. Oh, I don't think I could trade that. I know it, I know it got bad. I know they went... Mm. Uh, it all, I don't think you could trade those memories, could you? That, uh, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, and when, we, when we're back at Wembley, whether it be in the Pizza Trophy or a, a, a semi-final rematch against Stoke one day, uh, we, will, we will use the 5-0 as inspiration to win the game. <laughs> I just couldn't have seen Gav McCann pop up against Blackburn and score that goal against uh, <laughs> against Big Sam's Blackburn. No, it no. just, just wouldn't have happened. Shut up, Ilesy. Right, uh, <laughs> on, to, on to the last email. Uh, hello, Mark and Henry. Uh, please can I have a happy 40th birthday shout to a big Bolton supporter and buff fan, Sean Mayo. Happy birthday to Sean. Happy birthday. Uh, he also asks, is there any truth to Paolo Di Canio being one of the final three managers on the shortlist when Everett got the job? Oh. Um, no, is the answer. But I will say this. He applied when Neil, uh, when Neil Lennon was in charge. I think he was at Swindon at the time. Um, but he was one of the names, not in the hats, but he was certainly one of the names who had voiced an interest at that point in time, Paolo Di Canio. The only other manager who I... Heard was anywhere near the frame at, at the stage of, of Ian Everett getting the job was Nathan Jones, the uh, Luton guy. Right. And I think they may have sussed him out in a sense of, I think, I'm not sure whether it was Tobias Phoenix at the time or whoever was doing Bolton's nefarious bidding, but uh, I think they did suss him out and, and see see what the score was. But Everett obviously was... Was the one they wanted and, and, and the one that they uh, the one they appointed. So 
Hope that's uh, hope that's filled a bit of information in. Certainly, Di Canio. I could I, I could never see Di Canio's politics necessarily marrying up with those of football ventures. Let's put it that way. No, definitely not. I think uh, is isn't it funny? That that's maybe some something we could look into. What would have happened if you know? Because like you look at what if Paolo Di Canio got it? What if Kev, <laughs> Kevin Nolan had got the job yeah. instead of Keith Hill? You know? What if Nathan Jones had got a job instead of Ian Everett? I bet there's loads. Here's, here's the best one. Mick McCarthy thought he had the, literally thought he had the job. I, and I'm told from people who know Mick and uh, Terry Connery's assistant much better than I do that they were literally picking out houses in the Manchester area because they thought they had the job that strongly. Um, and this would have been, I think, Dougie Friedman being appointed. Wow. So what about Bolton? Would, they, would Bolton have gone up? from the championship if they were playing Mick McCarthy ball as opposed to Dougie Friedman ball? Well, um, yeah, it's because, uh, I mean, if you if you look at the, the manage, managerial history of both, Dougie Friedman had, what, yeah, half a season, 18 months at Crystal Palace where he did really well and then since then hasn't really done much. Mick's obviously done far better in his time. So maybe, who knows? Yeah. My press conferences would have been a hell of a lot more interesting. There's no question about that. All right. Well, if you've got any more what-ifs, if you've got any more unpopular opinions, or you just want to have a chat, then here's how the email works. So you want to bring something up on the buff. Email Mark and Henry on the buffmail at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-B-U-F-F-M-A-I-L, all one word, at gmail.com. And... Sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. Right, quick check-in with how the Buff Fantasy League is doing, I suppose. We don't need to do that. Well, we don't need to do it, but we, uh, unfortunately, I'm contractually obliged to do it. Um, and we've got the eye, we've got the ident sorted and everything. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, let's let's be honest. It hasn't gone the way we thought it was going to go so far. I am milling around in mid table with a 401 points, 140th. Really, you know, it, it's been very average. Henry with his rejig team actually did get a couple more points than me this uh, this week. Still 220th with 344 points. Um, I mean, it's not going well, is it? Uh, baby steps. Baby steps. Baby fine. steps. Well, fair enough then. We're only, we're only nine weeks in, but uh, yeah, we're just, giving, we're just giving everybody else a chance. We will make a mention of the top three. Uh, number one, top of the bill is uh, Maximum Drama. That's Max Sefton's team with 496. Then you've got Lee White's. That's Matt Wilkes' team. On 486, 10 behind. And then the Burned Aces from Martin Baker on... Oh, it's joint second on 486. So, there we go. Shall we round things off with a bit of a quiz? Yeah.
Well, we got sent some quotes uh, by one listener, um, and they were from managers whose team had been beaten by Bolton Wanderers. And I was going to do them as a quiz, like the saltiest managers quiz. And I'd even teed you up, Henry, as you'll, as you'll attest. Um, the problem is, I checked them this morning and they were bloody wrong. So, rather than going putting out some something I could get in libel trouble with, we had to have a bit of a, a quick change of heart. So, um, we're going to do a version of The Price is Right. Now, you may be too young to remember The Price, of, Price is Right, Henry, but this is the way it goes. Okay, we're going to have, we've picked four items each at random from eBay. Bolton Wanderers items on eBay. And just to clarify, um, we'll be asking, uh, we're going through them one by one. I'm going to ask you for uh, a price that you think it is. Okay, and then we want to see who is going to be closest to the overall total. Okay? Okay. You get the get the rules. Okay, right. So you've got four items there. I don't know what they are. I've got four items here. Right. Do you want to go first or second? Uh, well, I'll go first. Just as well for everyone, we haven't conferred beforehand, so we could actually have the same items. We could. Uh, this is this is a really this is there's a lot of jeopardy involved here. There's, mm. there's a lot of jeopardy. Um, I mean, there's a lot of Bolton Wanderers items on there. It'd be very unfortunate if we've got the same ones. Yeah, but my first one is a Bolton Wanderers mouse mat. Mm. Uh, what well, it looks like the ninety-eight, ninety-nine season. It's got the stadium on it, the badge with the ribbons, and it's got three players on it. Those three players being Andy Todd, Mark Fish, and Robbie Elliott, the big oh, names of yes. that era. Um, yeah, so that's on there. Oh, well, I mean, what I would pay for a Robbie Elliott mouse mat, I mean, <laughs> I'm getting straight on eBay after this. Um, I'm going to give you for that four English pounds. Okay. Okay, so my first... Um, my first one, my first one is a 2001 Michael Ricketts match-worn mud-stained shirt. Ooh. Now, it's a, I don't know what game it's from, but it's mud-stained, so that probably will narrow it down. <laughs> do, you remember, do, you remember, do you remember the game where he made a tackle? <laughs> Hey, he used to he used to slide on his knees when he scored a few times. So maybe, it, uh, but that's uh, oh, that's peak rickets as well. Yeah, that is peak rickets. I think. Uh, hmm, what would match one signed? I'm gonna go with. I reckon that is. Uh, I'm gonna go one hundred pounds for that. One hundred pounds. Okay. Can I have my second item? Your second item is. <laughs> It's a game that we all don't want to forget. The team sheets from Tramia Rovers versus Bolton Wanderers on the 17th of August 2019. And for those who uh, have not erased it from their memories, that's the game where Tramia won 5-0. Um, <laughs> a quote for it is, the team sheet is in good condition. Oh, well, that's good. The team sheet uh, was fished up from the bottom of the press box. Um <laughs> Oh my God! How much would you? Pay? I mean, how much would you pay for a team sheet? For Christ's sake! <laughs> I get given the. I I actually use them to like bed down my hamsters and such like. Um, right. Uh, I'm going to give you three pounds for a team sheet. Okay. I mean that that's pretty generous as well. By the way, that's just assuming that somebody could be bothered to send out a team sheet. But anyway, um, right. Your second item is it's a ticket. For a 1958 floodlit game between Schalke and Bolton Wanderers. Wow. We have, we have a... gone very opposite sides of the spectrum here, by the way. 
We have. Was um, I wonder if that was pre-FA Cup final or post it. I'd imagine it'd be post it. I imagine it'd be uh, a, a pre-season friendly for the next year, potentially, I suppose. Yeah. Wow. Schalke versus Bolton Wanderers. That... Um, oof. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you ten pound for that. You're gonna give me ten pounds for it. Okie dokie. Give me my next item. Uh, your next item, Mark, is and this is a biggie. This is a biggie. It is a lanyard and hospitality pass from Fulham versus Bolton Wanderers on the 17th of December 2011 at Craven Cottage. <laughs> so you can tell your friends that you uh, <laughs> you were in the hospitality lounge. The Haynes Lounge at Craven Cottage for that 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 match, whatever score it was, I can't remember. Um, so yes, yeah, somebody is flogging the uh, hospitality lanyard from that match. It's got the Bolton badge on it. Incredible, incredible! I can't believe that people are shifting this stuff. Although it has given me a bit of a sideline idea because I get this stuff all the time. Um, a lanyard? What would you pay for a lanyard? I mean, what, money can barely buy its relevance. Um, I'm. I'm going to go slightly higher on this. I'm going to say six pounds. Oh, okay. Six pounds. It's a luxury item, Henry. You can't you can't deny it in any way, shape, or form. It's, it's in very good condition. And if, if anyone likes the sound of that, there is six days left on it. <laughs> right, your third item. It is a a book. It is a copy of the official history of Bolton Wanderers by Simon Marland, um, 18, eight, uh, 1877 to two thousand and two. So it isn't the current one; it's the the one beforehand. Um, but it is signed crucially by Frank Worthington. Oh, that's a good. That's a good one. So that uh, just makes it that bit more interesting. Right. Okay. That's a tough one. That is a tough one because I'm, I'm going to guess market. So a retail price was probably around a tenner, twelve quid. But then with the, the oh, I'm going to go for twenty-five quid. Twenty-five pounds. Okay, right. My final item, please. Your final item is. It is the uh, the old style Premier League uh, name on the back of a shirt print, with the Premier League badges on the numbers. And it is, if you want to stick this well-known historical Bolton player on the back of your modern-day shirt, it is Akinori Nishizawa. <laughs> Akinori Nishizawa, who... I'm, I'm willing to bet this is the only podcast that would mention Akinori Nishizawa in 2022. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> so you can get your, his name on the back of... Old-style Premier League font as well. Um get it uh you can get it on the back of your shirt well i mean i would i would easily pay 10 pounds for that easily <laughs> easily pay 10 pounds for well he's, he's he's got a longish surname so what is it 50p a letter exactly you could break it down you could sell it for parts quite easily um <laughs> very very easily um right okay so uh, I'll, I'll make a total of mine uh, that's uh 10 23 pounds in total so your final one um, your final one is another book, actually. Um, it's a brilliant book. It's a fantastic book. It's a copy of Bolton Wanderers Legends, written by me in 2011. Um, I, I think it's in very good condition. <laughs> I can't tell you a great deal more about it. Um, uh, because, oh, other than that, it's also stained with my blood, sweat and tears. Uh, but uh, how do you? How much do you think one of those bad boys can go? It's going for now in in eleven years later. Wow! Have you signed it? 
I've, I mean, I might have done, but it is certainly it certainly isn't deemed worthy enough to be in the listing. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm gonna go with. Sorry, Mark. I'm gonna go with four pounds. <laughs> oh, at you, Henry. At you. <laughs> right oh dear right yeah i mean if, if you do what if you do want to hop on ebay and you want me to sign it by the way not a problem i'm sure i can get i'm sure i can get my agent to sort something out um so <laughs> one you your overall total there is 139 pounds um right okay so my total henry you've got a total there i assume have you, have uh, you, have you added up what they actually are Oh right. Uh, no, I was going to go through it individually, but I will oh, add okay. up as we go along. Okay, no problem. So let's let's go one by one then um, for your one. Um, I said the mouse mat was four pounds. What is it actually? Four pounds ninety-five. Oh my word! I'm I'm good at this. Right, team sheet. I said three pounds. Two pounds forty-nine. Two forty-nine. God bless. I'm really close. Uh, lanyard. I said six pounds. Four ninety-nine. My word. And the Nishizawa once-in-a-lifetime Premier League print, I said £10. It was, in fact, £12. So, I've got to be honest here, £1, £3, I'm about four quid out. You are, you've done very well. I'm about four quid out. Now, I, I think, in fairness, you have suffered for going down the lower end of the spectrum, Um because there's there's more there's less wiggle room, so we will allow that. But let's let's go down your your uh, your guesses. Um, so you went for the shirt, the Michael Rickett shirt. Uh, you guessed a hundred pounds. Um, it's currently available on eBay for two hundred and forty nine ninety nine. Yeah, it is peak Ricketts. It is peak Ricketts. In fairness, and it has got mud on it. Don't forget that's famous oh, mud. Yeah. So the, t- uh, the, uh, the ticket, uh, 1958, Schalke versus Wanderers, you said £10. The survey said £82.64. Wow. Oh, well, it is a, I don't think we've played Schalke that many times. I reckon it, it, there must be something historic about that. Maybe it was the first ever floodlit match at Schalke or something along those lines. Who knows? Um, the book, Simon Marlon's book, signed by Frank Worthington, you said £25, and it's £36.99. Well, still the closest I've got so far. So let's let's and and the the major prize, of course, Bolton Wanderers <laughs> Legends, written by me, uh, with a couple of pages from Gordon Sharrock about uh, Nat Lofthouse as well. Um, and just so much blood, sweat, and tears. You can now buy one of those bad boys for three pounds thirty-four, and and you guessed four pounds. So you over you actually you invested about seventy p more um, in the book than you you actually needed to do. Hey, it's worth it. So, all in all, you were about 234 quid off. Uh, not bad. Baby steps. <laughs> <laughs> baby steps. Baby. I quite like the, I quite like the game. I have to say, uh, it's um, yeah. it's quite useful. But uh, yeah, I am straight on for that Nishizawa print. Uh, very very soon. <laughs> I'm I'm having that on the back of my uh, shirt. No matter. It might not even be a Bolton shirt. It could be any shirt. To be honest, it, it could be the Northern Ireland one that you're going to buy. Yeah, which would make it even more random. I actually, <laughs> I actually uh, looked at the, all Bolton Wanderers items, lowest to highest, um, at one stage, and the cheapest thing you can possibly buy on eBay at this moment in time uh, on the list that I had. Now, obviously, we did them at separate times. So, but <laughs> at this at that point in time was my own book. 
Um, there's <laughs> there's nothing quite like seeing that. I have seen it in several charity shops around Bolton as well. That's another it's another nice thing. Just knowing the the the, the man hours that went into compiling that thing. Um, that you can actually buy a team sheet now that's actually more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But God, there was some. Uh, they were they went out some random stuff on there. But uh, it, oh, it, hey, just it means that we can bring this game back one day. Um, uh, yeah, dead right, dead right. We'll give that. Uh, we'll give that another world someday. But um, yeah, well, there's no, there's no games. We can't do prediction time. I, I predict there'll be no games next time. Um, so we're gonna have to uh, go back, have a think. I think I've got a few good emails up my sleeve, and we've certainly teed a couple of uh, topics of discussion. If Please do get in touch if we've got any uh, ideas uh, on the the emails we uh, we mentioned earlier about unpopular opinions and, and big what ifs uh, Bolton moments, um, or indeed if you've got any ideas for any other games we might be able to see out the show with because uh, we're going to need them next week, aren't we? We um, I have to bring in a, a, an extra special star guest. Yeah, yeah. Well, bring in whoever's. You have been listening to the Buff and well, at that moment, uh, the technical gremlins attacked Henry's computer and ten- Henry just disappeared. He's, he's, he didn't realise it was an international break. He's clearly just uh, disappeared off on, on holiday because he knows he, uh, he can do anything he likes now because there's no wanderers. Um, but, well, uh, it's, that leaves it to me to say please tune in again next Friday uh, where we'll be bringing some incarnation of the buff, assuming there hasn't been some sort of full-scale nuclear war. Um, and until that point in time, I have been... Mark Putin's just mad because he didn't get invited Isles. And he's also been Henry Hewitt. Uh, And this has been The Buff.